and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Big Gay Book Club. And today we're going to... Yes, woo indeed. Today we're going to explore the world of Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Nyan. And I will tell you, I read this quite a while ago when it came out. And then I, when I picked it for our book club, I reread it and then realized absolutely how much material in this was a little bit uh, triggering for or would be triggering for a lot of people. So I want to give everyone that warning uh, up at the top. There is a lot of uh, references to SA and uh, abuse in this book because of the plot itself. So just be forewarned about that. But otherwise, let's get into it. So let's do it. Got coffee. We're ready. Coffee, our super cool mugs. You've got Killing Eve. I've got May may you have. (laughs) Speaking of drama, I have Killing Eve mug. Yes, you do. And I have. What you got? May you have the confidence of a mediocre white guy. That's actually perfect for this book, honestly. So uh, tell us about it, Bree. Let's get into it. (laughs) So have you ever wanted to read a fantasy book with a lot of uh, set in uh, like an Asian world? I I always have. And this was the first one I found that, that did that, that had a queer romance at the center. So... The world is very interesting. You have... Oh, indeed. (laughs) You have the different casts. So we'll start with paper casts, which is the lowest on the totem pole. And those are humans. And then you've got your... um, Why is my brain? Steel. Steel cast. Steel. I want to say silver for some reason. Steel cast, which is... (laughs) That'd be amazing. Right? Part demon, part human. So these people slash creatures would have uh, attributes of both. But as part demon, they display animal-like features. So they would have, say, the ears of, of a, you know, cougar 
or a leopard and then a norm like a human face but a leopard tail so honestly you know now that you said that there weren't enough cougars in this book no there were not there there were not Hmm. just (laughs) but you get you do get to meet some more cats in book two so absolutely which i enjoyed but and who's the last cast the last cast are the why is my brain again i'm i think it's, I think it's just demon straight up demon. i think it is yeah. but that don't they don't know no they're called the demon ca- moon cast moon, moon! Cast. that's it my bad i'm so bad at this today i'm we sorry read this book. <laughs> we read this book but it's been a minute i promise I and my notes i had more notes but i think i opened the wrong one that's anyway okay. we could get it done <laughs> So Mooncast are all demon, so they display more of the animal features and in a humanoid form. So it would be like a bull, but in a humanoid body. Ugh, yeah. So you've got features of both. And it was always kind of hard for me to imagine it in my head, especially totally. like the facial facial features that she yes. describes. Because mm-hmm. she describes the um, king as handsome. Right. A handsome bullet with the, the long, elongated face. And I'm like, how is that handsome? I don't know either. I was just picturing a bull's head on a human's body. And I was like, how is this handsome? <laughs> is she using this word correctly? She's so gay. She doesn't understand what that means. Yes. I don't know. But I need, <laughs> I, I just, I'm sure that it makes sense in her head. And it, no, I can right. kind of see it because I think about that demon in Buffy season what season was that six the musical episode oh yes that demon guy so i kind of think of his face okay i can see that like the dancing demon yeah 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 from the musical yeah yes anyway that's not hush never mind (laughs) the musical episode is season six yeah it's season six hush is four um let's if you let us get into buffy we'll talk about it all day but anyway yes literally (laughs) so (laughs) let's talk about our main character lay yes she is a paper cast girl however she has these eyes that set her apart from all the other paper casts people in that they are super super golden and beautiful and they are so different that people assume that she might be part demon and this is what catches the eye of steel cast and moon cast demons uh I think the other aspect of her eyes too is it's not just that, but it's something about like the the god that they worship, mm-hmm. like the moon god or whatever. Like that, the color of the eyes have to do with that yes. too. So there's like uh, superstition around her too, like in a religious yep. sense. You are correct. Thank you for. I almost said thank you for being a friend, but. Thank that too. you for being a yeah, friend. Okay. Of course, we're all friends. Even the everyone listening to this. We're, we're all friends. We're friends. We too. are. Yeah. So Leigh works in her parents or her mother. We'll get to her mother, but works in an herb shop with her father and their uh, employee who is a still cast, which is unusual for a still cast to work for a paper cast person. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. I love Tien, the still yes. cast character that is part of Lay's family basically yeah um 
but Lay's mother was taken by soldiers in a raid when she was very young. And this has been like a big source of trauma for her, obviously, and something that is unfortunately going to repeat in her life because her eyes catch the attention of a still cast person who, you know, the, the woman that comes into the shop and sees her. And I'm really think that's how the general found out that she existed at all. Probably. And then, then he comes into town and takes her just yeah. like her mother was taken. Yeah. What's interesting about that whole situation is they live in a place called Cienzo and it's alleged it's like on the far end of like the empire. And mm-hmm. so they're essentially a province that is under the rule of like the monarchy and em- emperor situation that's happening, but they're f- located regionally far enough away that they're mostly left alone, which is mm-hmm. how you can have a situation where you have like the lowest caste employing a middle, middle caste, situation and so they don't see they don't they're not as like heavily under the boot of like the king as much as the other areas that we see or like the palace where is where we're mostly at so they have periods of like nothing happening where they're just happy and living their lives and then the king has to be like remember who's your boss so he sends his goons in there to Mm -hmm. like wreak havoc and and he rules with an iron fist basically so that's a display of power it's like stealing her mom is just like remember who's in charge is what it is And, and they do it through trauma and violence and um ripping families apart so mm-hmm. Yeah, it is something that shapes lay and unfortunately multiple times, like you said. It's it's disgusting. It's very disgusting and also true to life in his in a historical sense, because this yes. is how people yes, have. This is how humans have done things over the millennia. So uh, this is how the patriarchy does things. That's what this yes, book is, it is really about. And the book is really about the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. So down with the patriarchy, mm-hmm. just FYI. Yeah, but um, so Lei learns that she's being taken to the palace to become a paper girl, and a paper girl is basically every year a group of paper cast girls are either put forward by their families mostly, or just like Lei was taken away from their family. But you get you know the full sense that either. They're forced to come in some way, shape, or form, even though some of them have been convinced by society uh, since they were little that this was, you know, an honor for them to go to the palace and become a paper girl and be the king's concubine, basically. So they're going to be the eight human girls that he uses to show everyone in his kingdom that he this is his power and this is an honor for them to serve him in this manner and this is the level that paper cast is on so look how happy these girls are to serve me basically is is just his show of stupid fucking asshole patriarchal bullshit yeah let's unpack that great description so it's something that happens the choosing of paper girls is something that happens annually so every year there's like eight Mm -hmm. new girls 
and it's a it's a form of control and it's a way to keep the lowest class in line because truly in any of these systems like the lowest cast is is always framed as like well they're unworthy the reason the reason they're called paper is because their skin is so thin compared to like ones that are more demony that they're weak like they they can tear apart like paper and but the thing about that is that usually that cast has the most numbers and so like numbers can overwhelm the, you know, even if you were a strong demon, mm-hmm. like if there's enough people, they can rebel against you. And so to, the way to keep that cast in line is by showing them that they're were like valued by like, and then like to the upper cast being like they're worthless. Mm-hmm. And so the way they did it in this world is by creating this paper girl system. And in the patriarchy, there's also another caste system that never gets talked about, but is clearly there. And it's very evident in this book. It's that not only do you have caste between how much or how little demon blood do you have, but the other caste is gendered, male versus female. So even within the caste, the f- so like in demons, for example, like the highest caste, like they're at the top, a female demon is still below a male demon. So like there's a caste within a caste. And so what they're doing here is they're taking the, the lowest possible caste that there is, paper plus female, And he's displaying his power by being like, okay, I'm going to take them, do what I want because I can, but I'm going to frame it as like, look, they're, they're papers in my palace. They're the only ones really. So he's like, look, like you guys are valuable. They, they, he parades them around. Like, look, they're part of my court, like this and that. But meanwhile, you get all this language from like the demons who hate them for being there because they view papers as lower women are lower than low. And you get all this nasty language directed towards them. People who's like with Lay, it's like, this wasn't my choice. I was kidnapped and forced into this by all of you. And now you looked at, so it's like a way for like the demons to kind of like stay in their place and be like, yeah, I can look down on them. Cool. And then for the papers, it's framed as like, this is a big honor. Look, I'm we're welcoming you in our court, even though none of you are allowed to have positions of power. Mm-hmm. So it's really fucked up. So some of the people that like, buy into this bullshit like one of the characters is blue and like her father is like a rising paper who's like kind of in the court um he like sells his daughter into this to be like yep look and it's a way for him as a male paper to be like yep i'm buying along with the bullshit i'm on the king this is my pledge of loyalty i'm giving you one Uh of my own to do this ridiculous thing that you have in place and then for others the more impoverished people like Lay, who's off in a rural town that nobody talks about, she was just straight up kidnapped. Uh And either way, like, whether it's voluntary or not, you're still in this completely powerless position where you're just paraded around as a symbolic gesture to the low cast, but then also there for, like, the other cast to be, like, ill. So that they feel superiority. And that's all designed so that, like, the structure of this world, the caste system, the monarchy or whatever that all gets reinforced through this so like everybody's happy because they're all getting something out of this a feeling of superiority which you know it's like um stockholm syndrome when you're like yeah well i'm Uh getting something out of this this is okay let's not Uh rock the boat with this whole system that's fucking over literally everybody (laughs) which is what patriarchies are and that's why the character of aoki really Oh my god, the most heartbreaking fucking character. So Jesus heartbreaking. Oki is so heartbreaking. 
We'll get to her, but oh god, it's just straight up brainwashing her. It it's really so is sad. And like, also um, the thing that pisses me off about two, those two, um, like their ages. These are children for the most part. Like Aoki, Aoki is sixteen. Mm-hmm. These are children. Like it's fucked up. Absolutely. And I hate this stuff. Triggers me and makes me really upset because this happens. It happens in real life. That's this kind of gendered violence and like emotional manipulation against women it's happening now and it's pisses me off it it that i think that i don't think that's part of why i because for me it's way easier to examine stuff like this through the lens of like say a fantasy book than through fiction than it is for me to examine it um in real life cases which take from that what you will but um that's why i found this book somewhat important but um so yeah Lay's being taken to the palace to be the king's one of the king's concubines and everything that theora just explained which is not at all you know a fun time for her and in fact there's one point on the way to the palace that she manages to escape for a hot minute literally and run away but she is captured by the demon one of the demon the general that comes to get her general yan is using her as a gift to get back in the king's favor and uh his subordinate officer was supposed to watch her and so he's extra pissed off when he catches her but he can't do anything to her because this is the general's gift to the king so oh but he, he tries to essay he her, tries right? to essay her but that d- does not work out for him because <sighs> the general catches him guess what that's just a so just to add another cherry on top of the fucked upness I mean, but yeah, but like it goes to show that like she is not seen as a person. She's nope. a thing. She is a thing. Yep. And like, I don't he, know. He, like in the generals that stops it is not doing it to stop the SA. He's like, this mm-hmm. is the king's possession. Only yep. he can do this. You're not allowed to. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Really I don't know if it, why, I guess I know why. I wonder if the, if the author meant for it to be extra creepy since he's like a snake demon or a lizard lizard demon lizard demon one of those reptiles one of those reptiles anyways it made it even creepier because the tongue thing (laughs) he has the long slithery tongue i know i I almost stopped reading it when i got that part gross <laughs> it's like sometimes i had a hard time being like oh, is this about bestiality i don't know <laughs> i don't think that was the author's intent but sometimes i was just like Ugh. it's a natural reaction i think to to it and so they get to, the creep factor if you know what I you're mean. not joking mm. Uh, so they get to the palace and turns out, you know, they'd already selected all eight of the paper girls for that year, but the general can... I was so confused when I got to this part. I was like, are right? we done? Like, what's happening? <laughs> why eight, too? They never explain, like, that that's... They that never explain why I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a little plot gap. Um, yeah. 
that never gets they, explained. Because they do, side note, they do talk about certain numbers that, like, uh, superstitiously, like, I think yeah, four was death and, like, things like that. Yeah. But anyway, I just yeah. realized that. <laughs> I did enjoy the slight backdrop of the superstition and religious aspects. Oh, absolutely. My favorite part of this whole book and <coughs> this book was the cultural stuff. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do. I wish they did more of the I wish there was more of the relig- their their religion el- mm-hmm. element into it. There it was there, but I wish there was more of it cuz I just found that really fascinating. I think I would I think it would have made the other parts a little more rounded if that Correct. makes sense. Yeah, 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 fleshed out. If yeah, we had more if we had more of that. So um anyway, the general convinces the so the in the paper girl house there are two women who are kind of over the paper girls so there's uh, a paper cast woman miss mistress area is the way i oh hold on uh area i can't remember her name i know there's mistress no, it's Mistress E it's E R I A, but I'm just trying to, to pronounce it. No, I know. It. I okay. I uh There's, I didn't I didn't read the book with my eyes. I did audiobook. Uh-huh. Right. So I'm trying to remember how they said to say that name. Oh, Iara. Okay, Iara. That's Iara. how they say it. Iara. Sorry. Sorry. So it just took me a Iara. second. Thank you. This yeah. is actually gonna work out because some advantage of the names are hard of, to pronounce. I know. Advantage of audiobook, by the way. <laughs> and then yeah, Mistress Kamora. So Mistress Aria is Paper cast, Mistress Amora is moon cast. So she's a yes. bird demon, yes. which also kind of creepy. Rare. Yeah. yeah. Also kind of creepy. Super. Um, it's all creepy. <laughs> true enough. Uh, so they convince, this general convinces them to take Lay as a ninth paper girl. And again, well, it really has to do with the eyes because the king is superstitious AF. And exactly. they're like, oh, she has the eyes of the goddess. Yeah, maybe we should make an exception. Mhm. So that's how she gets in. Um but it kind of works out because all these paper girls have to go through this absolutely demeaning and humiliating and awful screening process, which again is designed to keep be like, "Hey, just cuz you're in the palace doesn't mean you have any power. This mm-hmm. is all some power trip and bullshit. Just remember your place, you're the lowest of the low." That's all this shit is. Yep. Uh, basically examining them for you know are <sighs> have they ever slept with anyone before it yeah. blah 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 uh do they have an enchantment on them to look prettier or appear a different way whatever because there is magic sort story, of yeah. there's magic but it's not called magic we'll put it that way yes um it's it's a whole thing that's like a chi, a chi kind of magic. Yeah. It's like take from it and give, but you have to give something back. It's so, like, okay, having read the all, the trilogy, basically what the magic is, is it's like the energy from the earth slash universe. Mm-hmm. And there's like the yin yang, because this is an Asian kind of thing. There's a yin yang to it <clears throat> with the chi, and it has to do with like you take and then give back. But yep. The world is essentially, you will come to see like how the king, because the king essentially harnesses all the shamans, the people who are able to harness the magic. And he, it, basically there's an imbalance right now because the king is using too much. And so like the earth is being depleted of its like the chi left to like facilitate magic. 
And so, yeah, that's what's happening. Once again, patriarchy. fuck the monarchy. Yeah. No, this is patriarchy bullshit. It's, it's that belief that, like, we're above everything else, so we can mm-hmm. take everything that we want. But it's like, hi, that's not how it works. <laughs> You're just going to destroy everything, which is kind of what this is about. Um, all right. That's a fun Wait. time. Hold on, I want to talk about one more thing, because you Go mentioned it. Mistress Iara and Madame Hamura. So another, again, this is all like power bullshit. Another like degrading bullshit thing is that not only do the paper girls have to do this, but one of the people in charge of them is a paper. So it's almost like, again, like... Either, like, that person has to be so brainwashed that they're like, yeah, this is a good thing that we're being forced to do this quote-unquote honor to serve the king or whatever in this deg- by being humiliated and degraded all the fucking time at, like, the whim of these demons. But, like, to have that being reinforced by somebody of your own cast is super fucked up. And that's what happens in real life. Like, you have people in, like, you know lower castes or who are seen as minority groups but they're like you know you see this in america with like people in minority groups like reinforcing whiteness because they get a little bit of status out of doing that and that's really what madam yara really represents so it's it it hurts worse than having like the demon like madam hermura like um demonize you as the, the bird demon because that's built into the cast the cast system but to have somebody of your own cast do that is way worse and so poor lay like goes goes through it with mistress iara because she's like oh maybe she'll understand but like mm-hmm. no she's she's bought into this system she gets status from this like you know it's like a survival thing too like you kind of can't you can get mad at her for it but like it's it's survival like otherwise her life is crap. She gets a little uh-huh. bit better of a life by playing along with this and reinforcing this that's hurting her own cast. And this happens in real life. It's It sucks. She doesn't have a lot of choice. Like, none there of is, these. Correct. There's none no of them choice. Have, there is no choice in any of this. And then it's just framed as, this is a big honor for you, this thing you were forced into. But remember, uh-huh. you're trash. Like, and you know. that's what makes it even more heartbreaking with her and lay because she's the only person that's really nice to the girls yep because she's been there so she has some degree of compassion she has that degree of compassion but she also knows that they're not gonna have in her mind she's like they're not gonna have a choice so i need to do what i can best do to prepare them for the life that they're going to have under the patriarchy going on under this system and that's why you find out that even in her kindness, it's cruel because, you know, Lei wants to write home to her family. Yeah. And Mistress Iri, I keep saying it wrong. Iara. Iara, thank you. Mistress Iara is like, oh, yeah, sure. Here's some paper and pen and whatever. I'll send the letters for you. And, you know, she just keeps them. She doesn't send them. Yeah, I was like, that bitch is not going to send that letter. Yeah, I was like, girl, there's no she's way not she can. Send them. She doesn't. Yeah. Have, I think that even if she wanted to, she doesn't have she, that much power to do no, that. She doesn't. She doesn't have that power because she is still a paper in this, a paper ending mm-hmm. woman in this whole system. So, like, so she, she can't even if she wanted to, to be honest. I think she she felt like it was a kindness to give Lay the hope. opportunity and the hope 
to be yeah. able to talk. To, and Leigh was always really careful not to say anything about bad about what was happening with her because she was afraid for her family. Right. And that's so. the thing that's constantly constantly reinforced in this kind of story and in this like survival structure that it's always like it's the emotional attachments and the like the familial bonds even if blood or not mm -hmm. that's constantly the thing that's being held over over everybody it's like survival yep. for the individual and then survival for like the family unit that's constantly the motivating factor of like yep you know especially with lay it's very much her family is the thing that's always held over her head and so yep. and just, she's smart enough like you said in that example to like understand that like she is she is trapped in this system and can't like has to still play along in some aspects so like even when she writes the letters they're like bland like you said because she she's trapped in the system like she has to play along to keep everybody alive or, you know mm -hmm. or unharmed i guess it's it sucks it just robs everybody of choice their identity and just and the sad part is like even the people at the top aren't happy nobody is happy in these systems like everybody's getting screwed in one way shape or form it's just really yep hard. so that after leia arrives the next day she gets to meet the other girls and that's when we meet Aoki, who will become Lei's best friend. She's very sweet. Like Theora said, she's 16 and very... Uh, naive and innocent. Naive and innocent. This will not work in her favor. <laughs> not at all. Like, she is probably, throughout the entire book, the series, the most traumatized person. Yes. She's, like, gaslit. And, like, she goes into the dream house, like to the mm -hmm. fullest extent like literally yep. actually falls in love with the king her like mm -hmm. capture rapist she, yeah it's 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 really really sad there's a really heartbreaking moment i think towards the end of the book with lay when she f realizes what ha has already happened she's like wow my best friend fell in love with a monster and I didn't even like recognize the sign. Mm -hmm. It happened right so gradually and I didn't even I couldn't I didn't yeah it's it's yeah and then they have like a a tumultuous relationship from then on out because then they end up on opposite sides of like the king stuff. But it's really sad the way it just she's this innocent wide-eyed kid who's like I just want to play my part, keep my family safe. Like this is an honor. She kind of buys into it. Cause I think her family, like mm -hmm. they, they, like she knew she was going into this and they like mm -hmm. tried to get her to have this honor. So like she must've grew up in a household that like believed in this like way to serve the King way to serve the empire kind of thing. So it's very sad. She was brainwashed, I think from home. And then it got worse when she actually was playing her role and she just like fell into it. 100%. Mm -hmm. She became the believer. It's so sad. Absolutely. So sad i feel so bad for aoki um you've already mentioned blue but uh yeah. blue yeah. blue's <laughs> family is somewhat higher up in the paper world uh as far as so blue's family is pretty far up and then there's mariko who's i don't remember much about her family but oh yeah yeah me neither I barely uh, remember these other ones. <laughs> Jin and Jean. The twins. Or twins. Um, and then 
who am I missing? I mean, besides Ren, uh, Ren. obviously. <laughs> I was going to get, I was like, is that everybody before I say I Ren? I don't know. Because... The other ones don't matter. It don't matter. Just... Okay, wait. Before we get to Ren, because hot, we have to talk hot about. As fuck. <laughs> we have to talk about Lil, I think. Because I think. Yeah, so let's talk about Lil. I think that Lil is kind of like the steel version of Aoki. So Lil yes. is a steel. She's like a doe, like a deer, which again is like Bambi innocence. So it's like right there in the mm-hmm. animal. Um, and she becomes, so in the paper, uh, so they end up, okay, in the, in the palace, basically the palace is segregated. So it's like, again, it's not just like a, we're at the top. It's like, there's even like segregation within the fucking palace. There's a and woman's so, court. <laughs> I was, yeah. The women have one, which again is how like kind of the imperial Asian em- empires were structured in the royal houses. The women had like one little section and the men can do whatever, and then there's a whorehouse because, of course, the, the patriarchy is disgusting. So anyway, there's women's court. And then the papers get further segregated into, like, paper women area. So it's like paper house is what it's called. And that's where they all live. And it's, so it's not just, like, the concubines. Because, again, remember, they're not just, like, you know, whatever women. They're a symbol of just, like, power. So they have to be, like, purified, which is disgusting every time they do anything at the beginning of the day they have to get purified and they get like bathing rituals and like they have to get you know hair and makeup and all that stuff because they're just figureheads and they have to look pretty and like what all that bullshit because it's male dominated gendered power is what's happening so in order to do that they have essentially like um chambermaids kind of i forget what they're called but like chambermaids essentially Uh like one chambermaids assigned to each paper girl and lil becomes lays and so she's the one responsible to like get her up in the morning get her to her you know, lessons on time, get her to like parties or whatever. So Lay and Lil become like attached at the hip because that's like kind of the structure in, in the paper house system. Kind yep. of thing. And Lil is like very sweet. And like, she's just like Aoki, but so she's like, you're serving the King. And like, she's like play, she's like brainwashed into this whole thing. Yeah. And, but she isn't in the same position as Aoki where she's forced to actually mm-hmm. do stuff. She's more so just in the paper house. And like her story is very sad too because she has family that's like in the court or like around or something. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can like see them whenever. And so that's the advantage of being here. And Leia's like, well, when's the last time you saw them? She's like, well, you know, it's been a few months. So like it's, she slowly like the curtains come back for Lil over time where she realizes that I'm trapped in this system too. And like being Uh a steel doesn't really protect me. Uh, so she she becomes she she goes along the journey with Lei and is kind of like her innocence is shattered and she sees like what reality is with Lei as Lei goes along, whereas Aoki ends up further behind the curtain and, and hidden mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's very, they're interesting foils those two exactly. And I love Lil. She was I one of the Lil. really bright spots. In... Yeah, she's cute. She's adorable. I just wanted to she's hug adorable. her. Yeah. But um, so Rin. Ren Hano. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Ren. Let's talk about Ren, our raven-haired beauty. Oh my God! The I don't like. I haven't even seen a depiction of her except for on the book cover. But like in the book, she's described what like so well that in my mind I see her, and she's listen. Hydrate. Hi. Hydrate. Hydrate. Hydrate for. Listen. All the G's I. <laughs> so Rin 
<laughs> is the daughter. You'll be okay talking about this. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to get there. Ren, get is the, there. <laughs> Ren is the daughter of um, the daughter of the Hano clan, which is the highest paper cast clan, period. Yeah. In so the empire, these yeah. in the empire, she they are the highest ones, and they are serve as like the king's uh, advisors and helpers, et cetera, et cetera. So Kitai, yeah, Hano, Kitai mm-hmm. Hano know, yeah. is her father, and he was the one that put her forward, but he had a very specific reason for doing so. Because he, he and his his family has had a plan for a very long time to overthrow the king, and yeah. Rin is the way that he's going to do that. He places her in this position so that she can kill the king. Mm-hmm. And what no one knows about Rin is that she is the last. Of a very old and very like amazing battle, sort of like a battle mage tribe that existed and was wiped out by the king's like predecessor, predecessor. So, yeah, they were called the Sia. And basically, what mm-hmm. they were, because in this world right now, the, the demon king has all basically all of the shaman. The pe- and shaman mm-hmm. are a group of people who are able to harness magic. He has all of them. The reason we got there is because what Bree's describing is many generations ago, there was a clan of papers called the Shia who could harness magic in a warrior form, like in a fighting form. And they mm-hmm. were so crazy powerful that the they were the biggest threat to the demons. So the demons had to wipe them all out because... And then basically make it so that magic is only ours now. Mm-hmm. And so Ren is like the, at this point, the last survivor of that clan. And Kitai Hano, he, there's more about him in the other books after this, but he essentially is a giant opportunist. And is like, huh, interesting. So he devises this thing where he like presents Ren as his daughter because she was young enough at the time when he found her. He's like, no, she's my actual daughter. She's my actual daughter. And she becomes this double agent, uh-huh. basically. And this is why I have my Killing Eve mug today. Because that's the whole the whole premise of what made Killing Eve interesting, where it's a female assassin, which is essentially what Ren is. What makes that so effective and what made female spies in real life so effective is that in these patriarchies, women are, never, are not thought of as people. So they're not thought of as possibly being threatening. So Ren can get into the palace where paper warriors could never get. And she can get alone in a room with the king, which nobody else can do. Because she's seen as dirt, powerless, a thing. Meanwhile, it's like you have the, one of the most powerful people on this planet with the king. So like, it's a brilliant strategy however ren has to get traumatized and essayed to do that which is exactly fucked up part and poor ren is another one who has like stockholm syndrome that we Mm -hmm. unpack over the entire trilogy because of her dad you know katai just uses her yep she's a means because again he doesn't see her as a person she is a means to an end for him too so it's like that's the how the patriarchy just functions whether it's good guys bad guys it's all the same mentality 
and it's really harmful to everybody. Yeah, whether he's a paper or a steel or a moon, he's still uh, a man who used this little girl as a pawn in his game. Yes, to and he's justifying it by saying, "Well, I'm doing good in the world." Yeah, yeah, but you'll see, like in the other books, like you see what he's really willing to do for like means to an Mm -hmm. end, and it and the writer really begs the question of like. Well, if you you think you're doing the good thing and the king is doing a bad thing, but you guys are using the same methods, morality-wise, is there really a difference here? And that's why... Okay, so I only got through, like, half of the second book before something happened and I I had to stop reading. And Theora has got through all the books, so she knows a little more about the plot going forward. Uh, but even in as far as I got in book two, you can tell that he's not going to that this is going to be some messed up and you're going to have to deprogram Rin from her father's influence. Uh-huh. Yeah, because, I mean, that's real life and it makes you examine because like always in history, I feel like your at least in America, we are skewed because we live in America where your history of where you live is always framed as like we were the good guys. Mm-hmm. But if you look at like how you were the good guys in whatever it's like we were doing awful shit so were we the good guys were like what is the good guy in a war is so there a good guy is there a good guy or is this just all fucked up and there's just a winner and a loser and the winner yep. takes power and like steps the boot on the loser which is basically how this whole world was function so yeah the the other the other two books go more into like the actual like political conflicts deprogramming ren Lay's arc continues. So it's very interesting. Whereas like this book is just like the palace basically is the main location and the stuff in the palace. You're making me really want to read them and I need to finish our other book club book. I'm so sorry. Anyway. Anyway. Uh Ren's hot. Just Super FYI. Hot. Oh, okay. Uh, I just okay. Yeah. I have to point out too, when she first see when Lay, because the POV of the book is just, you're just Lay's. Lay. I think it's only Lay in this book. In the other books, you jump around mm-hmm. to other characters, which I find interesting, but this one's all Lay. So when Lay first sees Ren, she describes her as like, I think cat eyes. Like there's some mm-hmm. kind of cat comparison, yes. which I was like, hmm, this is going to be an interesting character, not just because of gay stuff, but because in the world, um, they describe cat demons and like cat steals like um mm-hmm. oh crap what, what's her aunt's name tian yeah tian, tian the steel she's a cat mm-hmm. and like the cats are basically they're the one demon clan who's rebellious like because it's a mm-hmm. cat Bree can tell you do cats yes. ever do what you want them to do N- well not <laughs> not unless they wanted to do it in the first place exactly exactly <laughs> so basically um independence is what that means and yes. so the fact that like when they first meet or they first see she first sees ren she's like oh there's something cat-like about her so mm-hmm. you get this like ren is uh, obviously different and that she's going to be not really playing along with this by that comparison mm-hmm. so i found that really interesting like in their first it was i loved viewing it. of each other rather yeah also uh it's used for that and the descriptions also used because she is very graceful and assassin like in her movements because guess I what she's an assassin she's an assassin, <laughs> she's an assassin. <laughs> 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they meet and, they sure you do. know, I really like how it developed because it's Ren tries to keep herself apart from the other girls because she knows that she's not there to make friends. She has a different mission than everyone else, but the gay doesn't just let you go. So, <laughs> no, it's a really great slow It is thing that happens with them. I love it. I love it too. And you also get that such a Ren has such a protective sense when it comes to to Lay in general. But so the first the first person there that she, that Lil, or Lay becomes close to is Aoki because naturally that relationship is going to develop since Aoki is the nicest of all the girls and she's somewhat understanding and sweet, etc. Uh, otherwise, the others, especially Blue, they call her Nine. They don't even call her by her name. Yeah. <laughs> like Blue and her little hench lady friend. Yeah, her posse. <laughs> her little posse uh, calls calls her Nine. Call her Nine. And it's on just one more way for them to shit on somebody who's even below them in their mind. So... Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing too, it's 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 that. And then it's also jealousy because mm-hmm. Blue was one of the people who like her father volunteered her for this as a form of honor so that they can their family can keep power in the court. So like Ren feel I'm not Ren, I apologize. Um Blue feels like she has a mission of her own, like to her family kind of deal. So that gives her superiority, like you said. But also, it's 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 jealousy because Lay shouldn't be there. But like, mm-hmm. the king had to approve this and was like, "Yeah, her making she's an exception. I'm cool with a, this exception." So mm-hmm. Blue's like, "Why do you get an exception?" I think it's it's definitely a jealousy thing, and it just Blue never lets that go. Like she's very like, "Fuck you, Lay," the whole time. It, it absolutely is, um, and you'll find out later that Blue does betray Lay and Ren. So. Blue has a very interesting arc throughout all three books, but yeah, this book is very much like she's she's gaslit like and brainwashed like everybody else, and uh, it's very jealous. And uh, I think it's because she's afraid that like the reality of what being a paper girl really is and how much power she doesn't have and how much her father really doesn't care about her is the thing that that character has to like process, and mm-hmm. she does not process it well because that is that's a fucking lot to process. Really, so is. she goes into like straight up denial, and that's basically book one with Blue. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what more happens with her, but oh no, you will. Mm-hmm, it gets. Let me know when you get to book three. Okay, <laughs> I will. No, I'm saying. So we're at the point where the girls are going to start their lessons, and. <sighs> It's interesting because they have all these different kinds of lessons. They have like their their chi lesson. They have all the basically they're being taught in all the ways to please the king and it's to be a lady. Femininity in court. lessons. Yeah, the, it's feminine. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So lessons. Gross. Which is very gross, but you know also. And here's the here's one thing that really gets me. All right. 
I don't know why this little detail really bothered me, but it did. Okay. So when the king sends for whatever paper girl that he wants that night. I know where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. I have a whole paragraph about this. Mm -hmm. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the way Mm -hmm. he does it is he sends their name on a chip that that mistress, is it? Hemura? Iara? Hemura. Hemura reveals to all the girls so it's like she puts the chip out and it's got one of their names on it and it's just like what are they a it's like it's it's just de- it's just constant degradation and the thing that i hate that happens after that so after that humiliation because like everybody sees it and then everybody except the chosen leaves and then madame Hamura and the chambermaid they're like okay now we have to purify you it's gross they do this which is again it's like it's just more degradation because it's just saying like you're beneath the king so that you have to be purified so you can before you can be in his presence it's Uh makes me so angry and they're sent to have um, sex lessons (laughs) sex lessons they're sent to (laughs) they're sent to the whorehouse to have sex lessons and we see through Lay, we meet another character, Zell, who man Justice for Zell. Justice for Zell. I loved this character. Mm-hmm. It was a great addition because we got to see what happens to paper girls after they stop being They're paper one girls. Year. Yeah, exactly. So Zell is in the uh what is the other name? The night for house, it? I think is the what night house. The night house. And she is there for the pleasure of any of the demon folk in court that want to come and take advantage of that. Demon men. Yes. Men, specifically. Demon men's in the courts. So, Zell is a sympathetic character for a lot of reasons, but sympathetic to Lay. Because she gets where Lay's coming from, and remember the the little the the backstory of Lay being her mother was kidnapped. So the only thing that's really kept her okay in this entire time was the hope that she could find out what happened to her mother in the palace. So she uses this opportunity of being in the night house to find out if her mother's names are name is on the rolls of the night house. If her mother was brought there to the night house to serve the king and court in that way and while she's trying to figure like she she gets away from zell under a pretense and it tries to find the scrolls in the office of like the mistress of the night house mistress oh shit i had her name a second ago she's important in the other books (laughs) i'll think of her name okay you you um anyway zell catches her and covers for her so you know she gets it because she's been there and in the end we're gonna see that she really is an absolute hero so she absolutely is zell hydrate for zell hydrate for zell so put a pin in that yes we meet Zell. Um, it, it, it takes a while for Lay to be called by the king. 
Thank God. Thank goodness. However, when she is called by the king, I guess what? The <laughs> <laughs> Theora almost stopped reading. Um, so she gets called by the king, and the first time I'll make the I'll make a long story short. She re- she manages to get the fuck out of there before yeah. he can do much to her. Yes, which is a huge no no insult to him, and that is not going to bode well for her. No. Her punishment is being contained in this space solitary with no food for a week. Which. Oh, it's not just that. So, okay, when she's escaped, so this is some bullshit too, and it pissed me off. And it reinforces this whole people upholding the patriarchy and internalized misogyny. So he has a prized guard slash general named Nadia, I think, um, who is a fox, white fox demon. That is like his most trusted, the king's most trusted anybody in the whole world. And that's the person who guards the door to the fuck chamber, basically. <laughs> and when Lei gets the fuck out of there, like she just runs. She gets through the door. And, um, actually, no, before we get to that part, when she's being led in there, this bitch has the audacity to like call her paper whore, and she keeps calling her that. Because remember, Nadia is a woman, so even in the demon demon world, she's a lower caste in the demons. And so to exert her power, she's degrading the paper girls who again and she's like wow you're a whore this and that it's like well you guys are the ones that forced her into this like i hate this stuff so much because it's like it's your fault you set up the system and then you're mad at the people at the bottom of the system that you created so there's that and when lay is escaping that's the person who stops her she like whacks her in the back of the head with her sword Mm -hmm. i think and so as a form of punishment this is something that the king keeps doing even after these encounters, the essaying that he does to all his paper girls, um, he basically that night when they go back to the paper house, there he leaves them in pain and basically mm-hmm. like has his shamans come in and, and clean up the wounds so you can't see anything on the outside. But on the inside, he's like, don't take the pain away. Let them keep the pain, which is, again, a way of just exerting his power and being like, I can do this to you. Submit to me. Like, I'm the one in charge kind of bullshit. But it's just... This person is, this is like the top of the patriarchy is who power trips is just so psychologically fucked up, but that's what he keeps doing. And so that's what he does to lay. He not only like deprives her of food and water, but he like leaves her with the pain. Uh-huh. So basically everybody in the system gets like internally traumatized. That's what that's kind of symbolizing. Exterior looks is meant. You have to look fine on the outside, but on the inside, he's just, he's just trying to break everybody to like bend to his will kind of thing. And like, what sets Lay apart is that she's not somebody who's internally easily broken. And he, to be clear, he's not just essaying these women, he's beating the shit out of these women. Correct, yeah. He's just physically to, to abusing them. Just let you know how much pain that they're in when they come back. Yeah, like later with Ren, she has like bruises on her neck and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because basically this it's a man-child. A superstitious man-child that does not know any other way of keeping control of the things that he wants. What? So physical violence is all he has. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. emotional tantrums that end in physical violence. It's disgusting. That's the patriarchy. That's why it's so dangerous. Um, but while she is in this position, the only people, I mean, the only way that she gets anything is, is Ren. Yeah. So Ren sneaks in and gives her food. Ren sneaks in and gives her food. And I think that's really where they start. That is. So. Yay. Gayness. Yeah. At least there's Ren, that. Ren brings her sweet, like, desserts, and that becomes, like, a mm-hmm. thing they do. Yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm. And then, so she goes back into the, the paper girl house, eventually, and resumes her lessons and is just basically waiting for when the king's going to call her again. And this time it's going to be, you know, awful. Yeah. And again, he like his form of psychological torture is like putting off calling her because mm-hmm. then every week she's just anti- like freaking out. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? It's just more psychological torture. Exactly. But they go through all of these parties and things like there's one where there's an incident where a woman is not a woman is that tries to yes it is a paper woman so paper woman tries to uh basically she gets taken down by the moon cast when she's trying to assass she's trying to assassinate I feel I like I can't remember but basically he kills papers in front of the paper girls is basically what happens yeah. like defenseless papers and it's just reinforcing the fact that like these paper girls at that time they're getting comfortable being in the palace because they're ripped from their homes and they're on the palace and that's like the demon way of life and so it's reinforcing like hey you're still a paper he's doing all this horrible shit even though you're like behind his closed wall seeing what he wants you to see in this like perfect palace situation yeah he's got the he's got the, the we've got the one incident with the 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 woman who was killed and then we have the incident with the villagers that were collected at at another party and just fucking given out as slaves to other moon cast demons just like pick your whore yeah Yeah. it's fucked up it's Um, so fucked up the woman that you're talking about bless you thank you uh, the woman that you're talking about, I think that's the one that calls Lay. Uh, I forget the word, but yes, basically yes, calls it is. her traitor. Mm-hmm. I forget the word, but yeah, and that's something that sticks with Lay forever because it does. It's true because I mean, it's just like Mistress uh, Iara, all that stuff. It's like you're now a part of, like you're a part of the system that's like oppressing us, mm-hmm. and she calls Lay that, which and I guess it's like, oh, you're sleeping with the enemy. You're a traitor. Which again, like, yeah, like technically, but also like she had no choice in this. You put, they put her here. Like it's, again, you're blaming the individual for like the system. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Like the problem is the king and the demons creating the system, not the people that are forced into these roles. But it's something that like, it really sticks with Leia and she, you know, kind of sees it through that lens as she lives in the palace where she's like, wow, I'm here. Maybe I'm part of the problem because I'm living this role i'm a cog in the wheel kind of thing so it just it's just so fucked up like all of it it's just the whole thing is psychological torture (laughs) like this Mm -hmm. whole thing it's fucked up it really is yeah but that encounter really sticks with play like forever it does because she mentioned it's mentioned several times so many times so we have those incidents with paper people we see we have one former paper girl that has married 
into the court after she was a paper girl. And we see a very, very sad scene with her. Basically, she has been kept beautiful on the outside with shaman's magic. And her face basically melts away to reveal what's underneath. Like, and it's the ugliness of everything that she has been made into and put through. So it's a, it's a really kind of striking way to show lay a future she could have had and yeah. the future that most paper girls do have. Yeah. Where you're just in the inside completely broken by this system, but presented as being fine and beautiful, which is what the demons mm -hmm. want to see. They're like, see our system's working, but like, yeah, I agree. So, Great description. And her, her huge, um, the huge issue in her mind is that the king won't give them any more magic to make her beautiful again. And so another way for him to exert his power because her husband displeased the king, she doesn't get any more magic to look beautiful. Right, because he's a man child. Mm -hmm. Anyway, <sighs> just Adrian another. It hurts everyone. Mm -hmm. That's just the, the theme of this. That's just reality. It hurts everybody because everybody, even the king, is not happy in this system. And he's the top mm -hmm. of the top. Like, it hurts everyone. That was, I wanted to bring that up because it's just another thing that the author uses to show you the curtain behind the curtain. Behind the curtains, totally. Behind the so, mask, all that stuff. Yeah. Good point. Let's, let's talk a little more about the gay because i yes. need a little bit of happy they're yes, adorable right. together they they are adorable together uh again they're like prisoners of war mm -hmm. kind of in a sense that like their relationship is built on a shared trauma which is living in the court as the lowest of the low mm -hmm. cast that has no choice in what they're doing but they still find a way to be rebellious and it's one of those things where it's like the act of us just being us when we're together and like loving each other is a form of rebellion in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool depiction of that. And then through Lei, you actually get to see Ren because Ren is isolating herself because mm -hmm. she has a mission, like you said. So you actually get to see who Ren is through Lei, which is really nice. And so she's a very focused person she's secretive for a reason <laughs> she's a, a fucking assassin um the only problem i have with their relationship and it's mostly lay lay annoys me sometimes and she me annoyed too. me in this in this scene later where they're like escaping are they escaping the palace i can't remember what they're doing but like the first time Ren goes into Sia mode and like kills somebody. And then Lei's reaction to that is so weird, where she's like, wow. I'm like, she's like, wow, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe she did that. I'm like, you just what you watched so you expect. What the fuck was that reaction? Your whole life has been like you've been exposed to violence and demons killing papers your whole life. And then Ren does it, and then you're suddenly like looking at her differently. And I'm yeah. like, what is this reaction? It was Why so are weird. you judging her right now? She's yeah. literally protecting you. She saved your life. What was that reaction? It was so weird. I can't I can't figure that one out. The only thing that I could figure is that. The, the, I'm like, are, is the author trying to show even how backwards it 
all of this society stuff is is making lay think in some yeah, ways maybe know. like how she killed a demon oh my god like yeah I don't know, but it like it makes her like think of Ren in a negative way, and I found that really weird. It makes her scared of Ren. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> Why? I guess because it- <laughs> she like actually actually witnessing Ren go into that mode. The yeah, wh- where she's harnessing the energy of of the earth basically and her eyes go white i guess it is in lay's mind somehow associates her with demons and killing and the violence that's the only thing i can think of is that it's it's putting ren in that category of doing violence and brutalness and whatever but it still doesn't make sense to me like if if i had been in that i can't really say because i've never been a king's concubine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is an experience i don't, I, don't but demons, I would yeah. be like fuck yeah kill that motherfucker let's get yeah, out yeah i'd be like yeah like, <laughs> like make out with her like what yeah, I don't like, this. That was hot. let's go yeah laser okay that's the only part i was just like this reaction is weird and it doesn't just like it like lingers it's not that just was, in the moment it lasts correct. for a hot minute <laughs> yeah it was weird other than that it made everything about them made sense <laughs> that part was just weird yeah i'd really like to ask her what she was doing with that yeah i don't understand that um anyway but yeah ren super cool and then ren you get to see like how deep the influence of Katai Hano really is because Ren has uh, Kenzo, which is uh, one of the guard, one of the guards, I think. Generals. One of the I king's like generals. Not, yeah. He's not a general. He's a yeah. major or something. Yeah. I don't remember. He's in the military. I just don't remember his. Uh, his he's position. high up in the military. He's close to the Correct. king. Correct. Close to the king. And so Katai has him in there, and he's a wolf demon. He's I a think. wolf demon. Um, and so he meets Ren like in the ass crack of hours of the night to like Mm -hmm. keep her training while she's there and like lay is like why does she keep disappearing so she meets kenzo who's a really cool character too i really enjoy him he's like the only demon in this uh part in this book that i actually had an attachment to that's full-on demon spoiler alert he's queer af so that's cool (laughs) there's as you keep going in the next couple of books there's way more queer stuff than just Lay and Ren. So this is exciting. If, if you like well, this book, I do know about more queer stuff. Keep reading. Yeah. yeah. But like there's, there's some... comments about Kenzo at the end. And I was like, damn, he's just getting it with everybody. He's, he's queer AF. So there's Kenzo. He's really cool. Um, and he's integral to kind of like getting Ren where she needs to go, uh, getting around the palace and stuff like that. And so, but their relationship is really nice because it's built on something solid. It's built on, the shared trauma too that like can it's like war buddies where like you mm-hmm. only you guys went through that experience so you're like connected in a way that you're not connected to other people and lay really helps open up ren in a way because for ren like lay is kind of like a she's very much she was taught to be in control constantly because she had to be to be a effective assassin but with lay it's like i'm not in control so it's like a new situation for her that develops exactly. very nicely. I love it's so it's so kind of like human and typical in a way that one of Lay's greatest fears is that Ren is sneaking out 
to have an affair with somebody else. Oh my god, she thinks she's fucking Kenzo. <laughs> yeah. It's like, girl. Oh my girl. <laughs> no. She's like, I hear, and then, then, like, it's, she's like, before she catches them in the woods, she's like, I hear grunting. I know what this is. And yeah. then it's like, they have swords. <laughs> Girl. Like, ma'am. Rin's gay as fuck. Rin's gay for girl. you, so stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, I, I always like when there's some jealousy sprinkled mm-hmm. in there. So, like, know, their relationship kind of has it all. It's fun. It was done in a it was done in a cute way, so I, yes. I enjoyed it. Sometimes jealousy can just be dumb, but this was done yeah. well. So yeah, I, it was done I approve. Well. And they they have cute little like night rendezvous mm-hmm. after trauma happens, and just yeah. Let's not forget that Ren does teach Lei mm-hmm. some fighting techniques that will come uh, in handy later. Correct, and a very necessary. Mm-hmm. in their circumstances and then when ren has to leave at one point kenzo steps in yeah so and they become buddies yeah they become buds buds but um so while all that's happening the gay is developing and has developed not all is well in the palace <laughs> the king's getting more and more crazy and superstitious and has started to do all of uh, he's just getting paranoid that's the word he's becoming so paranoid and yes there are people that are trying to assassinate you so paranoid for a good reason there's an assassination attempt and that's when ren gets her shia on and scares the crap out of lay apparently but after that everything gets weird for a while in the palace so there's a lot of security going on a lot of things are not normal anymore but the huge thing is this one night that they're working up to and it's the night that ren is supposed to kill the king and it's the this big ball that they're having basically because Spoiler, it was supposed to be Ren, but Ren's out of the mm-hmm. picture now, so now it has to become Lei, who is not a trained assassin. Exactly. <laughs> which is so wild. Ren is gone away from the palace because her mother died. Mm-hmm. So the king That's basically right. had her mother killed. And now we get Kenzo convincing lay that she has to be the one to kill the king little lay that has no shia powers whatsoever (laughs) but she's a feisty feisty she's very feisty she has about one drop of actual combat training (laughs) yes to be exact and the reason he's pushing her is basically because like there's dissenters in the court and he's like everything's ready the only thing that's not here is ren so you have to be ren yeah so (laughs) if it doesn't happen now it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen their whole plan is was for ren to kill the king and for him to step in to the power gap and to get things shored up in the right direction and get yeah, the court and moving in the correct direction. And it's centered around something called the moon ball that only happens mm-hmm. like once a year. And so it's like approaching and he's like, well, you're a woman. <laughs> you can do it. You're he's a like, paper girl. <laughs> you can get close to the king. Here's exactly. a knife. Here's a- <laughs> Best of luck. <laughs> Ren taught you how to stab stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. You were paying attention. 
So that's when Kenzo kind of takes over and trains her for one night, basically. Literally, (laughs) her second drop of combat training. Yeah. (sighs) And then we have the ball. Guess what happens at the ball? Guess, just guess what the king does. Fuckery. Fuckery. Guess who's brought to the palace? Lay's family. Lay's family, yeah. Lay's family is brought to the palace. Because, again, he's paranoid, and he knows he's losing control, and she's the one that wouldn't break. Although, by this time, he actually essayed her, and it's horrible. Yes. the, the We, we we're can't skip over, over But it did happen. We have to say so that it happens. But she's traumatized because he actually did get to essay her. And she thought that she was going to defeat, like, beat him and make him pass out by giving him these... Herbs, herbs because she's but, an herb person but that did yeah, not work out that did not work because uh, they were ripped away from her he was paranoid basically he was drunk it doesn't matter he was drunk Fuck it doesn't guy. matter not we're literally. at the ball <laughs> he's brought her family there to be like haha bitch i can't i have your family and i can do whatever i want and also, she's don't like try anything it's yeah, really what it is because like, he's, he's oh, afraid fuck. of her is really he is afraid of her he's, afraid he's of her. been afraid of her ever since she defied him and yep, exactly. and that was Mm-hmm. Yep. This little girl, this little seventeen-year-old girl, unbroken girl, scared scares the scares shit, the out, shit of out of him. Yep. And that is one more way that he can try to control her and torture her. But guess what, bitch? That's not how it's going to go down. Nope, you about to lose your eye. <laughs> uh-huh. So he bas- she basically her thing is is that she's going to try to convince him that she's. Uh, turned the tie like turned everything around in her mind and she now wants to please him right because she wants to be like yep you broke me yeah yeah you you broke me okay you win let's go do the dirty in the garden or whatever and she tries to get him alone she tries to get him alone which works yes but he knows what she's doing I think. And so yeah. well, he's, he's like, he's like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. And I'm just going to show her that this who's is not charge. who's in charge and this is not going to work. So they come to a head on that front and scuffle about. And um, hey, she guess who shows up? My poor baby Zell. Poor baby Zell shows up and does our girl a solid and dies for it. Yeah, like he, she's, she is the unsung hero. She is the unsung hero. Thing. So basically, Lay ends up stabbing the king in stupidly in his eye, and then in his jugular, kind yes. of. But I guess his hide is so thick, and the yeah. knife is tiny that she doesn't quite nick the fucking carotid. Somehow, I don't understand this, <laughs> but sure. drama, sure. Um, sure sure jam yeah anyway so they she basically thinks that she's killed the king yeah everybody thinks that she's killed the king and that's guess who else shows up it's ren ren's here to say the day as well yay ren's here because nadia showed up yeah i'm gonna defend my man yep so kenzo and nadia go fight it out Yep. And Ren and Lay get the fuck out. Literally. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much book one, really. Oh, no. Th- that is book one. But then the author at the end is like, the king's alive. And it's like, fuck you, ma'am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was you, about man. to say, but guess what? 
King's not dead. <laughs> Lay didn't kill him. There are two more books. You know he's not dead. <laughs> that yeah, bitch so is the- alive. The shamans are using all the magic in the world to to mend him again. Uh, literally, they are using all of mm-hmm. the magic in the world. And that's kind of where we end. So there's more like book two and three are not centered around essay, which is great. It's more about like the inevitable political upheaval that's happening it's more so life outside of the palace as we continue with lay but we also get to see point of view of different characters including like Mm -hmm. nadia which is interesting um so the thing about this book is like the essay stuff the the gendered violence that stuff triggers me because it's real life and it makes me really upset so i almost didn't finish the book but I'm glad I did. And then the other books are not really about that. So if you're into the plot, want more gay stuff, because there's there's way more gay stuff that happens in the other books. Keep reading the trilogy. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. I'd also like to say that I really dig the magic system in in the books. Yes. And you get to see in book two what that means for Ren, because... Yes. She is yeah. basically mm-hmm. giving her life force to use all of this magic to help them, you know, be safe. Yeah, it go yeah, it goes more into like how the 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 cost of magic basically and it's a lot more into Ren and her backstory. So if you're into Ren, keep reading. I'm into Ren. Keep reading. <laughs> I will. If you want to see uh, a matriarchy, read book two. If you want to see just gay stuff in general. I did love that part. Read more. Me too. Exactly. I get to the matriarchy. I'm like, thank God there's a matriarchy somewhere in this fucking world. It's great. Of course, it's the freaking birds. It's the birds. Spoiler. But it's great. So yeah, I, I recommend getting through the first book. And Thua recommends reading the other two books. I recommend it as far as I've read the second book. Uh, was really nice to see their relationship continue and the trouble, like all the kind of trials and tribulations that they went through as far as I read. Mm-hmm. But um, great queer representation, IMO in fantasy, because you get to see it in, I love the relationship between, what is his name? Big Owl Man. Big Owl Man. Oh. They oh. ride on his back I to his I know, I think of his name. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Damn it. This is my fault for <laughs> not, for being a, a bad podcast person. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> podcast fail. Podcast fail me. Crap, what is his name? Hold on. Wait. <sighs> Do I have to get the book? You might. Because, <laughs> again, I didn't read the names. I just heard them. So I'm trying to, like, rifle through the Rolodex. Look, I even name. made all of these freaking... I know you did. <laughs> We didn't use a da- we had notes. We didn't use a damn thing. We just freestyled this whole episode. I just want um, you to know that every single purple thing is a gay thing in this book, and there's so much purple. Oh my god, what is his name? Hold on, I'm about to find this. Oh, by the way, the world's called a- or the the country's called Akara. <laughs> it is. Leopard boy looks at me. Marin. Marin, thank you. Well, bow, yeah. Bow. Okay, so bow and Marin. Bow is is a leopard, enemies is to a leopard lovers. boy. Enemies to lovers story. Yeah, so cute. Them. 
No, seriously, book three. So there, they, okay, spoiler, that happens in book two. There's way more gay stuff in book three. Like, it's just like the author's just like, everybody's gay in book three. <laughs> just <gay>. everyone. <laughs> everyone. You meet Ren's ex. Like, there's so much stuff. <gasps> Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there. It's speaking of jealousy Juicy. and ridiculousness. Juicy. Yeah. I'm into it. Okay. There's so much. So yeah. So anyway, keep reading. That. Lots of keep queer. Reading. So much. Okay. So how would you? How much would you hydrate? I would say this is a lesbian Jesus hydration scale based on yeah. red and leg. Agree. How much would um, you hydrate? I'm gonna go with this is a hard one because that's not I what d- she said on the lesbian jesus hydration scale by the way <laughs> it, uh i'm gonna go with seven that's a good one i'm gonna give okay I, i'm gonna rate this book i would give this book a five personally um because the essay stuff mm-hmm. <clears throat> deducted a lot of points for me just personally um but overall, it's a very good book. The thing I really love the most about it, aside from the gay stuff, is I love the Asian culture stuff. I thought that was mm-hmm. the biggest strength of the book. I love how that was weaved into everything. Not just like one culture, but like she mentioned multiple things of like somebody owning a sari shop and like the food. Mm-hmm. And it was just naturally weaved into everything. And like the shaman, the chi, all of that stuff. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And we need more of that in general in media. Personally. So to put uh, a little note on that the author natasha nyan is of chinese and malaysian descent so you have a lot of malaysian and chinese influence in this it was great um so i would give it five the trilogy as a whole i would give a seven for Mm -hmm. like queer representation because that just ramps up it gets more into like the political stuff more into people's backstories like other characters that are much more fleshed out um, you get more into like the magic stuff and like, which I enjoy personally in Me fantasy too. world building. So I thought that I thought that as the story went on, the trilogy had more strengths for me personally than like the first book, which is yeah. really like a setup and was mostly palace stuff. So this is not this is not something you want to read standalone. You want to mm-hmm. go into this knowing that you have to read all three read books. all three books. Honestly, it gets it gets better in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree with you. Yeah. So we got our hydrations and now I think it's time for you to announce book next book club. Okay. I have to pause. Caitlin, pause this. I have to go get the book because I'm going to read something out of it. So just give Ooh, me a yes, second. Go, go, go. Yes. So next book club. We're going to do a book that I've been dying to read since I found out it was going to become a TV show. Um, in 2024 and that book is big swiss baby big swiss big swiss big swiss okay so this is jen bagan's book i'm gonna uh it's about sapphic stuff which is wonderful um and it's described as a brilliantly original novel about a sex therapist's transcriptionist and her wild affair with one of the patients the protagonist is Greta, who's like a 46-year-old lost human being who becomes a sex therapist transcriptionist for somebody she calls Big Swiss. <clears throat> Why is Big Swiss at a therapist's office? I'm going to read you part of the transcript 
Um, and if this doesn't entice you, I don't know what will, um, other than the fact that Big Swiss in the show is going to be played by Jodie Comer. Just keep that in mind. So the sex therapist is asking Big Swiss about what's going on and why is she here? And Big Swiss says, I'm here because I don't have orgasms. Greta, who's reading this and transcribing, says, oh, Big Swiss says, I've never had an orgasm in my life, even by myself. Greta says, out loud, to no one. Come again? Big Swiss Except says. not. <laughs> Big Swiss says, here's the funny part. I'm 28. I'm married. I've been married for years. I'm also a gynecologist. Greta says, is this a joke? <laughs> the therapist says, are you married to a man? Big Swiss says, yes. So if that doesn't entice you to read this book, I don't know what will. It's incredible. Um, Jen Began has a really, she's really funny. I thought I was like actually laughing at this. Mm -hmm. It gave me like Phoebe Waller-Bridge vibes in terms of like gallows humor. It's really interesting. Um, if you're in a psychologically bad place, it may not be something to read right now, even though it deals with some deep issues like trauma um, and things like that. But it's presented in a comedic voice, especially Greta whose point of view the whole book is written by it uh, written in, but it's really fun. I cannot wait for this series. And at the end of our book club, we're going to play a, who would you cast? So it's going to be a super fun book club episode. I'm so excited. I also want to say that this book gave me gray gardens vibes. If Ooh. anybody knows what gray gardens is great. If you don't Google machine it because it's just, you'll figure it out. It's so funny. But anyway, yeah. So join us next time when we come back. We're going to be talking about Big Swiss. Big Swiss. Yeah. All right. So Bye. hope you enjoyed this. See you guys next time for Big Gay Book Club. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.